be able to have that money be in my pocket with a good marriage or mm-hmm. with my kids or with my health. And that's where you realize like, oh, it gives you a different sense of power and confidence. And now you become this person, a different human being almost altogether, where you look at things differently. And that's what you see a lot of people like yourself, like myself, just taking that and applied it over and over and over again, almost without even knowing. And you get to this point in time where you have this like, the sense of self to where you just, it's natural. I call it success being your second nature. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. This is Janelle Copeland. And I'm Eddie. And uh, today is episode number 30. And we are so, so excited um, because we have a special guest today. And our guest has overcome some of the worst circumstances you could ever, ever imagine. Wait, pause. Sorry. It's not episode 30. Yes, so, it is. No, it's not. Honey? We just released See? episode 30. Hold on. Let's just say it's 31. <laughs> what are you talking about? Let me just show you what I have. Where did my docs we just go? Released, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's 30.2. <laughs> maybe we just leave all this in the damn podcast and we just rip and roll. I think that's what we're supposed yeah. to do, but let me just show you because... Uh, See, yes. first of all, last night, so I'm going to tell you, you, hold on, I was on the computer, on. <laughs> I was on the computer last night, at minding my own damn business, and then he puts the phone up to my mouth and says, right? I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to know what you're talking about? Like, <laughs> how on earth would you think? And then I go, and then furthermore, why would you send that to that man? He goes, because I oh, thought it was yeah. funny. It was so funny. It 27. Was Oh, maybe it is 30. What are you doing right now? Like, yes, I'm in charge Eddie. here of you, this. You are right. Yes. Hey, now you're going to leave it in. Just, you're right. well, you stopped recording. No, this is still recording. Yes. But yeah, you're that's better. not for the podcast. Okay. Oh, you're killing me right now. Yeah, I swear to God. Real. This is it's actually phenomenal. I would use this as great content to actually <laughs> post the podcast. I'm not lying. I would. I use everything as best we can. He stopped recording good. the audio, though. No, it's still it's still recording through Zoom. <sighs> Zoom does a really good job. Pull my audio. other document back up. Am I ready? All right. Yeah, we're ready. Let's go. I'm starting over. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Push Cop. What the hell is this? The Push Podcast <laughs> yes. with Janelle and Eddie Copeland. I'm going to tell you, I'm not letting Eddie talk right now because we just did the intro. And this man, I said, welcome to episode 30. And this man stopped me, said I was wrong, doesn't know what's going on. And now what, we're doing what, a retake. What matters is I said you were right. Okay. After right? you paused it. Anyways, <laughs> welcome back to the Push Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 30 today, and we are super excited because we have a special guest. Um, we heard this man speak at an event, and I got to tell you, it really moved us, and we thought he was the perfect pusher to introduce to our community. So you're in for a treat today. This uh, man has overcome some of the worst circumstances you could ever imagine. He started out in foster care at the age of three, along with three of his siblings, where They endured beatings, starvation, and some of the worst, most imaginable things that children could ever go through. Um, At the age of eight, he was adopted by an all-white family, and I'm just going to tell y'all he's a brother, so that's kind of a challenge, right? Um, (laughs) In spite of a not-so-rosy childhood, he still managed to persevere, though. He had an amazing, dream-worthy career and started a family of his own. Anthony excelled in football and earned a scholarship at the University of Oregon, where he continued to beat the odds and earn the opportunity to play football in the NFL. Only to lose it all, though, because things still weren't going all that great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how life is. And uh, at one point, his marriage crumbled. His loving adopted parents, they passed away at a time where he really needed them the most. And if that wasn't enough, you could imagine that his career ultimately ended with the NFL. And... I think it's fair to say his identity was shattered. Um, Anthony has an amazing story of resilience, tenacity, and drive. And we heard him speak, like I told you. And so we wanted him to come on and share his story. 
he does this thing where he says, oh, shift. And I know you guys think I said shit, but I didn't. Uh, but that is allowed on here. When we so, first heard it, we, we said, did he say shit? Right. No, but I want to introduce you to Anthony Trucks. And uh, we're so honored to have you here. So welcome. Thank you for having me. I, I like that, uh, that you got the majority of the story in there because now we can actually help people. Most people yeah. want me to get on to the story, but like that's, I don't need to stroke my ego and talk about myself. I would love to talk to people's hearts. And so thank you for that. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Where do we dive in? Here's why we asked you to be here. Um, we are, you know, coaches, mentors, we're trying to help push people through things. And you know, cause you're also a coach and you help people yeah. do this. People go through some not so pretty times. They have some challenges and obstacles. What do you think is the biggest difference between people that are just going to crumble, sit in depression, be upset, kind of that victimhood, and people like you have gone through the worst, most imaginable things, but have somehow still managed to have a beautiful family, move on, be in positivity, you speak to the world. How do you do that? Man, it's uh, it is <laughs> it's something that you learn over time. It's a learned skill. It's not something that's inherent. I think some people assume that oh, like you were born this way. Like no, nah, no, no, I was not. Nobody is. Uh, but you find out how to navigate life. I think one of the most important things that comes with all this is uh, is a perspective. Like I think a lot of people look at things, uh, unfortunately, in ways that are not helpful to them. So if you're saying how do I go from tucked in and and feel like everything's against me and everything, it's just how do you see that situation and then how do you see the hope to move out of it? Uh, one thing that I've noticed in my own life is we, we have a lot of what we'll call failures. And you guys, we've all had failures. We're in the middle of this mm-hmm. craziness right now, to be honest. There's a lot going on. And the reason I'm happy and I have joy is that perspective. And there's a way that you get this that's actually... There's an emotional part, but there's actually a logical part, which I think helps people more because like, oh, that makes sense. The logical part is there's not just one level of failure. Uh, most people have one thing go wrong and they make it this big thing. And there's actually mm-hmm. six levels of it. So the very top, let's say there's top three and then bottom three. The top three are not so helpful. Top world failure came back. It's a smash. You can't put it back together, right? Then you have what's called structural, which is the big, big part of this thing broke and went wrong, but it can be fixed. But it's going to take a lot of work. Then below that, you have glorious, like it's learning, you know, get a cigar, sit back and watch this thing burn. But then you have the three below that are actually the most useful, most helpful, which is what allows me in my life to have consistently kind of done more is there's one level it's called expected. Like it's, it's, it's actually called common. Sorry, it's a common failure, expected lot, bottom one. Common failure is like why the apology was made. Like this thing broke. I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Common failure happens all the time. Then you have the two that are really, really useful. One's called uh, version failure, which is like this version broke, like this version of relationship fell apart. I had, you know, I got, I got a breakup. It went wrong. Or this version of the business went wrong. Then the bottom you have predicted. So predicted failure is like, I knew it was going to break or I knew I was going to be wrong. Like I'm an athlete. I would go to practice knowing I'd get yelled at and mother effed all day long. I just knew it. <laughs> Predictable. The problem yeah. with people, and this is why nobody gets past certain hardships is they look at a predicted or version or a common and they make it abject. This person broke up with me. I'm unlovable. Can never be in a relationship again. The business, it, it failed. I, I'm not good in business. You know, like um, I lost this job. I'm never going to get a good job again. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you stop yourself from looking for any possibility to improve. And if you don't see a place to improve, you feel helpless. If I feel helpless, I put no effort in. I tuck away. I get small. I get stuck. That's why a lot of people never get out of the hole. So for me, I just, and this was learned, by the way, this was a learned thing because in the beginning, right. I'm not going to say when, when something happened, I was like, it's okay. I'm 15 years old and you know, my mom's diagnosed with MS and I'm done with football. Like, I'm going to, what can I learn from this? Like, no, I talked right. away. Yeah. I, I chalked it up for a while, but this is all just years and years of learning and applying difficult um, application. That's how I kind of came out of it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Can you go through the six again? Number one was? Abject. Abject is like end of it all. Un- okay. un- unwinnable can't come by death, you know, death. Okay. Structural is like saying this, like uh, structural is like when my marriage fell apart, which is a big piece of it fell apart. Like my, my wife had an affair. It was a very big structural failure. It wasn't mm-hmm. unfixable because we were now back together after a three year hiatus of divorce. But the one major key part of it was broken. And so like it fell apart and it's, you feel like it's unfixable, but it's just one main structural piece. Then it's glorious, which is like, you know what? I don't even care. It's broken. I can learn nothing from this. I'm just going to watch it burn and walk away. Mm. Below that you have common. Common is like it's co- things commonly happen. You know, you bump somebody's car as an accident, just a true accident. But you can learn like, all right, I rear-ended somebody. I probably should keep my eyes on the road, right? Yeah. I learned something from that. 
Then you have what's called version failure, which is like the iPhone 1, 2, 3, 4, 77 at some point, right? I put it out as best I could right now, the best I could do, but there, there's still things I didn't know weren't great about it. But now I have a reason to see this silver lining. I can look at it and say, oh, that's what I did wrong. Let me go back in and do that. And the bottom one, it's predictable or predicted, which is like, I, I know this is going to break. Let me, where, let me go into this thing. Like I'm going to fill a, uh, like when I was a kid, when they had like a flat tire, like I would go ahead and like you dunk the, the tube into the water to fi- find the air bubble because you know there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just got to find it where it's at. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. seeking to find the holes in the bucket, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned those things because I think the, the elephant in the room right now is we, we are a couple of weeks into uh, total shutdown with yeah. the coronavirus. And so um, like we were talking before we started, there's so many businesses, there's so many entrepreneurs, there's so many people who mm-hmm. just have, who work for companies that they feel like their life is shattered. They, they are yeah. feeling like there's, they're probably getting to that place where they're feeling helpless and tucking away. Uh, and when you think about that, and, and, and I love how you broke that down, how would you help someone like someone that's listening right now and they're saying, I knew this was going to happen or, I, you know, I, I started my own business and all of a sudden, you know, what, this, this is how this is supposed to end for me. Yeah, because we have so many people that have started businesses. They took out a second on their mortgage. You know, they mm-hmm. put it all into the brick and mortar and, yeah. uh, you know, now it's shut down. They held on for as long as they could and they're feeling it, you know. Yeah. So what do you say to people like that that are feeling defeated right now? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's a matter of uh, a lot of people are trying to, we're trying to get to the point where we're holding on to the concept of the old world and trying to use that, like, you know, that filter to make sense of this new one. And, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are stuck in this filter of saying, well, how am I going to be able to manage all this and this and this? But it's not going to be the same in the future we're going to. Like back when the recession hit in uh, 08, like, there were a lot of programs and stimulus packages that came out to help the, the community help people. Were they 100% help? Probably not, but they were helping. And so I think what, what people are not realizing is, is this is my view of my belief, is that as we move into the next stages, we need the economy to come back. Our entire you know, country needs that. And so I see that they're going to be, with this wide sweeping change, there will be some grace. Like yeah. there's going to there's gonna have to be grace. So what I say is, okay, let's look at this and say, it's not, it's not abject. It's not the end of the world. Like, like pun intended, I guess. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. Like what that means is like, okay, what can I pull from what I know? What have you learned while doing that process that you could reapply? What could it have been a different version of the business, right? Could it have been something where like for me in business, it's always predictable. Like it's a predicted, I knew something's going to go wrong. I'm like waiting for it to go wrong. And then I pounce on the problem and fix it. Mm-hmm. So for someone sitting back right now, what I would say is, okay, take a look at what, what the information is that's in your head now. Um, you know, what do you think could be a useful tool and how can we reapply that to another place? So if you have a business that closed down, did you learn how to start a business? Can you do the same thing for digital? Did you learn something that was uh, a problem that you overcame that a lot of people have not yet overcame that you can go back and, and, you know, and tweak and fix and, you know, find a way to sell to the industry or the world? Because people right now is... I, there's going to be a lot of hard hit people, but not everybody's going to be broke. A lot of them are going to be bored. And I yeah. think if we can get yeah. to a point of like, how can I not so much entertain, but like, how can I attach um, what I'm doing the next, the next level of, of people? And, and what I was um, actually, I'm in a, a good group with some amazing minds. And one of the things that we're talking about is in business. One of the most important things right now is not to talk aspiration because aspiration is putting someone in an emotional space of opportunistic joy. And realistically, nobody has the opportunistic joy right now. Right. But what you can do is if you can present and change a language to uh, a language of life preserver or preparator, like pre- uh, preparation, prepare, to where I can say, look, in this dark time, what you got going on, like my work, I work an identity shift. This yeah. is literally my work. How do I teach someone to handle a uh, shift that is either something I'm proactively or reactively dealing with? So as opposed to me saying, I'm going to have you proactively address your shift to change your life. I'm now changing language to say, how can I have you reactively handle this shift? How do you mm-hmm. navigate the pitfalls and adjust who you are, how you see things, and then get out of that emotional bottom and take a bold action to create something new? Because action ends suffering, period. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. who you are, what's going on. If you don't take an action, you will continue to suffer. The problem is our heart does not want to take that action. So you have to kind of take it against the internal clock or internal light compass and just go do it. But that's mm-hmm. how you end the that's how you end the suffering. And you do it with taking an action in a direction of something you might know, but you don't know for sure, but you just do it. 
and, I love and, that. Yeah. And Anthony, you said something I think is powerful. And I want to make sure people caught that. You said that they're they're looking at this through the filter of the old world, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's um it seems like to me that that would lead to ultimate frustration because you want things to be the way it was yeah. or you want to have the same mind that was operating in the old world to operate yeah. into this new changing world. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about Holding getting to a place. Comfort. Yeah, and getting to a radical yep. acceptance, right? Yeah. And so moving to a place where you say, okay, this is what it is. And so when you think about that, and, you, and, and, to, and, and I love how you put that when you said to get to a re- reacting and moving forward, um, like, what is one of the th- first things you kind of talk about when it comes to that identity shift and that, and based on that type of thought process? Yeah. So, I mean, this for me is, uh, I got this down to a science, quite literally. I, I am a guy that studies <laughs> the science of like psychology and, and neuroscience and how you, you know, neuroplasticity works and how we see things and believe. So for me, there's three actual levels I work through with people. And the first stage is see, second stage is shift, third stage is sustain. And the first thing I always do is go in and I need people to first see. And the C is the one that's really difficult because it makes you look at things that you didn't want to look at, you didn't want to accept, uh, that you didn't want to even know or even you know, have to embrace. The problem is a lot of people skip this stage and they go right to the shift. The shift in and of itself is the work that you do to change. And there's a lot of people who do a bunch of work and then they turn around and say, I did all this work. How come I haven't made progress? Right. I, I did all this effort, energy and everything. I, I put money into this, invested. Yeah. But you didn't see if it was the right direction to go. You didn't even mm-hmm. see if you needed to work on that. You just started doing things. My pastor said it's like leaning, uh, it's like climbing a, uh, a ladder, leaning against the building. You can get all the way to the top of the ladder after huffing and puffing and realize like, oh man, the ladder was leaning against the wrong building. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I so love for, that. It's for me, we go back and just say, how can I get you to see? And, and there are essentially like six main core areas of, of us as humans and how we we operate. I'm not going to go deep into the aspect of like the programming, but I essentially assume that we're computers and we have software that programs our hardware. Software is your identity. The identity runs your body. It's how you take actions, react, think, perceive all that. But the six core foundational pieces are your beliefs, your thoughts, and your actions. And there's overlaps in those areas. And that's what creates between thoughts and beliefs. It creates your mindset, whether I have a good, strong mindset or a weak mindset. Um, between the actions and the thoughts, like a Venn diagram, you have habits, whether I take good consistent habits or poor consistent habits. And the one that I think is incredibly important is belief, between beliefs and actions. It's, it's what I call your character or your self-image, your pride. It's whether or not you will show up for yourself in the moments that you need to, whether you'll fight for yourself to keep that job or fight for yourself to keep the relationship or fight for yourself to stay healthy because you want that burrito. Like it looks delicious, but you won't eat it, right? There's Mm-hmm. The sense that what happens is when we when we fall to one of these areas, our, our aspect of our entire identity diminishes. So if I like, for example, look at you know my identity, I'm the guy that like I get up, I go to work, I'm happy, I love what I do, like I'm solid, I'm an honest guy. So if my actions fall out of line with my beliefs, if I steal, if I was to um, accept more change, it would attack my self identity, like my core, a little bit, and then I would later on, in the moment when I needed it, I'd be like. Oh, I don't know. Like I messed up there. I don't know if I should fight for myself. And the moment passes me by, I miss the opportunity. Mm. And so when I look at all these areas and people are saying, where do I start? Well, the first thing you do is you start by seeing yourself possibly for the first time. And then when you do, you can get to a point of loving yourself. And when you love yourself, you fight for yourself. Most people don't, don't notice this, but if you think about an external person, somebody that I may you know, look at, if I don't love that person or care for that person, I don't fight for that person. And so if you've done something to diminish your own self-confidence, self-pride, your, your self-image, you don't fight for yourself when it's supposed to. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. So good. So lots of people, uh, we were talking about this before we uh, started the podcast about like people see you on stage and they think you were just kind of born this way. And you said, <laughs> you know, this is a developed habit. Like I've been practicing. People yeah. see me and they think like, oh God, she's you know got all this confidence. Well, I didn't have the best childhood. I didn't have the best circumstances. I, I had a lot of adversity, but mm-hmm. it was this fight inside of me that just made me show up for myself. Like you were saying, it was intuitive for me, but I yeah. find myself now like trying to help people, particularly women. How do I help instill that in you? Because really, if you're lacking the confidence, like you said, then you don't even show up for yourself. No. You don't. And for me, I look at this as a really basic thing. This actually ties back to the action and suffering. 
And if you think about this, there's a lot of people that do what I do and they come up on stage and say, believe in yourself because you should and you're amazing. Right. And then, they, <laughs> then you're like, yeah, I should. And you go get your car, you're squeezing the steering wheel, so happy driving home and you're singing songs in a car. And like, I'm amazing. I believe in myself. And then you go home, you get in bed, you're like, I'm going to kill it tomorrow. And then the alarm goes off the next day and you're like, I'm a piece of trash. Right. Like it all, because you, because the yeah. thing that happened is you just took somebody's word for it and you, and when you look in the mirror, you don't have a reason to believe that. Mm. And what, what I have always looked at, what I believe has been the reason I've been able to, it's like stacking. The reason I am who I am now is nothing more than, than the things I've created. And so a simple statement that has so much weight to it is what you create, creates you. Mm. From the standpoint of like me as an athlete, I created this, this athlete, like when I was a kid and I sucked at football, I had no confidence in athlete. I, I just was a skinny little guy. I could like suck my stomach in, put my hand under my ribs. Like I was a little itty bitty guy. And then <laughs> I, I was like, I gotta, I want to be a great football player. I made this choice. Like, I'm not going to suck. I'm not going to be this you know, former flash kid who gives up on his life. So I went and started putting in work and I created every single day, like this was ritual damn near. Like I would catch a football 500 times. So I had great hands. I'd lift weight. So I got stronger. So I created a stronger, more refined, more in shape physical body. But what I was also doing is every single rep that I would show up, but I didn't want to, or push the weight and get stronger, I was creating this internal Anthony that I didn't even know was being built in the background. Mm. So when I came the next year to practice, I was an animal. Like, you didn't get the right to beat me today. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't care if you ate your weed, bro. This is my, <laughs> this is my rep, you know? And, and I, in those moments, I fought. And that's where I look and say, because well, I created that guy physically, I created him emotionally. And so when you're trying to instill the belief in somebody, what I look at is like, I want to provide you the tools that you can use to be able to build something for yourself, but I also want to instill the concept of why you need to execute on this. Not, mm-hmm. It's not just for the achievement, because there's always, they call it the hero's journey. There's always a hero's two journeys. One journey is I fought really hard. I made a million dollars. But the true journey is the transformation. Like the achievement's good, but it's what, how did I transform along that journey to where at the end of it, I'm a different human being. I almost realized like, you know what? I made a million bucks, but at the end of the day, it, the million dollars, it pales in comparison to what I had to do as a human to grow, to be able to, you know, be able to have that money be in my pocket with a good marriage or mm-hmm. with my kids or with my health. And that's where you realize like, oh, it gives you a different sense of power and confidence. And now you become this person, a different human being almost altogether where you look at things differently. And that's what you see a lot of people like yourself, like myself, you just taking that and applied it over and over and over again, almost without even knowing. And you get to this point in time where you have this like the sense of self to where you just, it's, it's natural. I call it success being your second nature mm-hmm. to the level where people look at you and say, man, Janelle, you're, you're special. And you're like, what? Like, I'm, I'm just me. And they're like, but you do, you do all these things. And like the things, here's the hard part for people. It's hard to look at a person and see them doing things that for you are overwhelming and, and difficult and hard to get done. But for you, it's your typical Tuesday. Hmm. It's, yeah. like, it's yeah. like, how did, cause that's what makes you successful. It's how you see things, how you operate. And that stuff is not, you're not born with that. It's just built over time. And when you get to that yeah. point of understanding the groove, now it's just who you are. I so agree with yeah, that. And I, sure. I want to talk to you really quick about that because, you know, I, I find myself often telling people like, if you pull up, next to your, let's just say you're at a red light and your dream car pulls up and it's shining. And Mm -hmm. if you're a woman, the hottest chick is in there with the best hair and the best lashes, (laughs) you know, what's your first instinct? Do you look at her and immediately start to hate on her? You know, is it triggering you that she came from money or whatever kind of story you want to create? But really like I always tell them like, you've got to shift your perspective because I look at that and I say, yes, queen, like that's available to me too. You know. And so I feel like that is a big perspective shift that people need to start having is like everything you see has become, it's a learned behavior. It's something they earned. They made different choices than you. And how could you learn from them and make some choices that are different in your life to get the results that you might want too? Yeah. Oh, no. And I was just going to say, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate for both of you guys because I think that... Because uh, you don't like us? No, because I think you guys are amazing. <laughs> but you know, somebody's listening right now saying, you're telling me all this pain, all this you know, 
this, these failures I have. But you don't this, know my story. Uh, my story. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not good at these things. I'm not good at business. I'm not good at talking. I'm not good at all these things. And you're yeah. telling me I have the power to change that. Like, mm-hmm. like, what do you say to that? Because I think a lot of times people yeah. think to themselves when they hear people like ourselves talk about um, that they, they can make these changes, they can make these shifts in their lives yeah. and in, in their identity. And they're saying the anxiety and the depression I, I have is something that I have nothing to do with, mm-hmm. right? Because part yeah. of the problem is they don't have ownership or responsibility. Oh, yeah. So when you, you mentioned like kind of stepping into that power, like what do you tell people when you, to convince them that they actually have the power to make those changes? Yeah, it was a couple ways to look at this. One, the reason people get there is because they're looking at this, this oh, they're on one side of a river, you're on the other side of the river. And all they see is this rushing river of difficulty in between and they have no idea how to get over there. So they're thinking in their head, that's not possible. No way. Can't happen. But if you spin them around and show them the bridge, it becomes possible. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just haven't seen the bridge yet. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where our work comes into play. But, but talking also to the aspect of giving themselves permission to work on this. Because a lot of people do this. Car pulls up, they look at it, and we have to do one of two things in these moments. We're assessing ourselves. And people don't like to feel bad about themselves. So in this assessment, we have to either one protect our ego or two, be real with the ego. And what we do in these moments is say, well, um, I have to either accept that what you're doing is right and you're doing better and I'm wrong. And if I accept that, then I have to eat the pain of like, man, I'm, I could be doing something better. And nobody likes that feeling. So mm-hmm. what people typically do is they, they try to find a way to level the praying ground. So what do we do? We demonize you. Right, we hate you on the, you. Yeah, I make you the, the bad guy. You could then, then, I'm, I, then I, I'm good, you're bad, you got the, the wrong things. But here's the problem with that. A lot of people would still want that car and still want the body, still want the hair. So because you've now demonized that thing, you never want to become a demon in your life. So you yeah. almost actively, subconsciously self-sabotage so you don't become the demon that you see. So for me, I start with a lot of conversations and a lot of people and say, look, you can make all the excuses you want. You can say, well, it's me. But here's the thing. You're, you're choosing to put yourself in a position where subconsciously you will, you will create a story that is bad. And you'll live to make that story right. So you'll mm-hmm. tell yourself, like, I don't want, I don't want to make the money. They had to do this. They probably burned someone along the way. Probably lied to people. So what you're doing is you're telling yourself a story that I would have to lie to people, burn people, do things wrong to get that thing. When it's not yeah. the case, so you'll never put actions in there. So it it puts you in a position of not being able to turn around and see that bridge. Hmm. That's so good. You basically just said, stop making excuses and stop <laughs> being much. a hater. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's, let's rewind and do it again. Stop being a hater. Yeah. But no, I, and then the thing is, is once that. you get to a point of, of seeing that there is possibility, the big thing for me is like, give yourself permission. Once you give yourself permission to do better, what really you're doing is giving yourself permission to ask for help. Because mm-hmm. prior to that, you're assuming there's something wrong with you because you don't know that. Like you won't give yourself permission to, to look bad. That's the best way to explain it. Wow. And you don't, you don't really look bad. Like I, I was in a gym business and this almost cost me money. I almost went bankrupt. Started a gym business. I was digging and grinding and doing my whole thing. I got to the point where like nine months in this brick and mortar, I hadn't paid rent because I couldn't for about three months. And I'm looking at, at bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Evicted all that. And the reason, the only reason, guys, is because I didn't want anyone to see me sweat. Mm-hmm. I was a former NFL guy. Like, I'm, I got to be killing it. You know, I, I got this thing on lock. And then sure enough, I didn't. And almost went down. The first thing I did, like I had, <laughs> I had sixteen thousand I owed. I had four thousand still to my name, and I spent the last four thousand on a coach. Mm-hmm. I figured, like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I am. Uh, I've, everything I've done to now has not worked. And the only thing in my life that's given me success is having somebody else see the field and then tell me what I'm doing wrong. So, put the last four thousand in. I, the, the the bill was for six thousand. I didn't even have the extra two. I was like, I'll give you four now when I make the two. <laughs> and sure enough, like four months later, I quadrupled the income. I was able to buy the new car, move to a new building. Like it grew. But the biggest first step was I just, I suppressed the ego and said, I don't know what I'm doing. Like mm-hmm. people, if you're a sports person, like I was the football player, you know, one of the best in the world in the NFL. And I had a coach and the thing that the coach could do is like, he couldn't play the game like me. Have these guys got busted knees, low backs hurt. Like they can't do what I could do. Right. Yeah. But I'm on the field and all I can see is the player in front of me. And if I can only see that player, I can't see the field. 
Mm-hmm. And so what happens is I need a coach. I have a coach now. I need someone that can see me and what I'm doing, but they're also seeing the field and saying, hey, I see you doing this, but I also see this going on over here and this going on over here. How about you back up and, and take a look here, redirect your energy. The ball's going to the right, not the left, like see the field. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. And a lot of people think that's a pride thing. I don't need a coach. Like I put a thing on my Instagram just yesterday. Do you think you need a business coach? It's probably still on there now. If you go look and some people are like, no, I want to do it on my own. Like I want to bring value to the world. I'm like, well, okay, you can bring value to the world, but what if somebody could show you a shorter path to bring that value? Even Amen. outside of you, what, what if somebody could show you a fast? Cause the thing is every day that you have that ego in place, you're not helping the person who needs you right now that you don't even know exists. So get out of your own way. What I, what I love about that, and I, and I hope you guys all caught so that. Good. I is love that, these football analogies. <laughs> I got a lot of them. Because I'm, I'm a sports guy myself. But what I love about that is there's, a, there's a, a very important thing that Anthony just talked about was giving yourself the grace and understanding that you're not going to see it all. And that, and that things that are going to come up from the sides in front of you, and you may be doing something that you think is doing, you're doing it right. But because you can't always see the field and you always can't see yourself, that you always need someone to give you some type of feedback. And I think that yeah. too often people are, um, are, are down on themselves because of the fact that they made a mistake, they, 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 fought, they fell short, and because they thought they were supposed to be able to anticipate that, that they were supposed to be able to do it perfectly. Right. And I think that that is, I think yeah. Anthony just described a great uh, uh, understanding of like, hey, you're not supposed to see it all. Yeah. That's why you have a community. That's why you get a coach. That's why you get someone to just give you feedback. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Sure, um, when did you start to kind of like take responsibility or just say like, you know, the way I'm doing life is not really working. Like, do you remember a pivotal <laughs> moment where you were like, this is just like all bad and I got to figure out a different way. Cause yeah. we definitely have that moment. Do yeah. you have that moment? Well, hell yeah. My wife <laughs> makes sure that moment happens often. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, real life one though. Uh, that, yeah, I've had that moment and it's been a dark moment. So like I came out of the NFL and the worst times of my life, um, minus, you know, my childhood came after the NFL. Most people mm-hmm. are like, oh, NFL, killing it. The rest of your life, you're set. Like, no, not how it works, people. Mm-hmm. So tell them, I, tell the people in the yeah, back. I, I come out of the NFL and in my, you know, my head, I'm like, I'm a, this guy, I got some money. I'm good. You know what? And so what I do is I open this gym, I do the gym thing. What the time that my gym is failing, I had an identity crisis. Like I was, who's the football player? And like, I'm a mm. football guy anymore. Who is Anthony without that thing? And I got mm. this gym. So I'm like, I want to find myself and get that, that same notoriety. So let me build this world-renowned gym. And so I would neglect my family being at the gym from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So now like my family's falling apart. My wife has an affair. My marriage falls apart. So I've got no football, no gym that's doing well because I'm almost bankrupt. Um, I'm out of shape because I'm stressing. I'm not a present father. And I pretty much am just like looking at myself in the mirror like, who, who are you? It was like, mm-hmm. seriously, I'm, I'm nobody. And I got to this bottom where I just pretty much like I literally drove off one night and I sent a text to my friends and family and said, please tell my kids that her father was. Like I'd hit the bottom, like legit mm-hmm. rock bottom. It was a wave of this emotion that hit me all of a sudden. And and thankfully that the wave kind of passed before I took anything, you know, any bad actions. But that was, I was abject failure, right? In my head, seriously, yep. in my head, wow. I was like, there's no way to stop this. I Crazy. can't, no matter what I've done, I got here. And this is why I alluded to earlier, like the updating of a software. My software at the time was, has, it crashed. Like as a computer, like I hadn't updated it at any time. I just kind of been living my life as that mm. same kid from high school, playing sports, NFL. I hadn't figured out how to navigate a marriage and a parenthood and a business, but I put all of this stuff on my plate. And the thing was, is, is after all this took place, like I still was in a fog. A lot of people, they'll have hard things happen and expect like, all right, the bottom, it's going to be a quick climb out of this. Like if I just put in work, everything could be better than this. Like, yes, but if you still haven't updated your software, you're still operating with the same exact, like the mainframe computer, like you still have the same exact um, operating system. So what I did is I stayed in the fog and the fog was because I hadn't updated. And, and what it means in your real life is like in a real computer, like a little thing comes inside of your screen and says, Hey, you want to update? You say, no, no, no. 24 hours. Snooze. I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. I don't want to wait. I don't want to step away. There's pain of frustration of waiting for the computer to do its thing. And I got to go do stuff. And Oh man. And the program stopped. The program stopped working. All of a sudden they have a spinning wheel of death. Right. So for me, what I ended up doing was going through the next few years, blaming my wife for having the affair, blaming the economy for the business, you know, just doing stuff to distract myself. And 
I kept getting updates like Anthony, the business is this. No, no, no. I got it. You know, Anthony, mm -hmm. you could be a better father doing this. No, I don't, I got it. And then relationships, you need to start doing X, Y, and Z relationship because you're not, no, I got it. You know, Mm -hmm. while also having this perspective of everything being this abject failure. So I didn't think I had to work on anything. Therefore, mm -hmm. I kept having all my programs, the, the career, the health, the relationship, it all kept crashing. I got the spinning wheel of death. And the reality is, man, I'll give you guys the real, real. So I woke up, I'd been taking trips and stuff. There was a, a woman I'd met in Russia, didn't even speak English. And, you know, playboys, you know, it's what you think you're doing. Just, you know, I am not built for that. I, it drives me insane to actually have to talk to multiple women at one time. I never had to deal with it until I got divorced. And uh, guys, stop doing that. It'll drive you crazy. So uh, <laughs> I got to this point where I wake up on New Year's Day. Uh, it might have been 2000, I want to say maybe 14, with some woman that I had met in Russia while doing a speech there and come back. And like, I, I felt, dude, so empty. I was incredibly ashamed, like looking over and knowing I can't have a conversation with her. It's just, it's all physical. Um, if I saw myself through my kids' eyes, I'd be, I'd be disgusted. I would never want my kids to be this guy. And that was when I was like, okay, something, something's up. And that was the start of me, like having this, this kind of revamping of how do I figure out what's, what's going on? Cause I, I am the common denominator. Hmm. Wow. Like we, we're all the common denominator in our problems, but we don't want to look at it. And so I, what I did is I, I, I swore off all women for like legit. It was like four months. I was like, I'm not talking to women. I cut them all off. I, I didn't want to have sex with anybody. I just want to tuck away. And I would spend all these hours sitting on a couch, staring at a brown wall. And when we do this, we're forced to have to have conversations without distraction, which meant mm -hmm. no alcohol, no women. Like I, I wasn't a drug person anyway. So I just kind of sat and I would just, I would sit, I would just like, like ask the question, how did your marriage fall apart? Like what, if she was right, if all the things she told you were right, what, what does that look like? And sit with the answers and it hurt and I mm. cried and it was painful and it took months. But then what happened, it's just like me hitting the update on my computer. I pulled myself away. I took the time. I let things update and I went back into action. And just like your computer, everything starts to move better. So then I could fix and look at, okay, why was the relationship off? What did I do wrong? And without going deep into it, it was what allowed me to actually get back in contact in a different way with my ex-wife, which allowed us to now have the, one amazing marriage. Like I love my wife beyond words uh, in my family. Like I'm now present and very, very, you know, present following my kids. I'm fun. We have, we have do different games. I'm doing things I never used to do. My businesses do well. I'm in probably the best shape since the NFL I've been in. And none of it happened by accident. And it's not easy. Like it was incredibly hard to have to go and admit the fault, like in my marriage, like yeah. my wife had made a crazy choice. I mean, she had an affair, horrible, right. but she didn't have to get to that place of making, having to feel like she had to make a choice by herself. Like mm -hmm. I helped us get there. Tough thing to swallow. As a parent, I wasn't at games. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't present for practices. I wasn't, I didn't even like make sure my kids looked good for, you know, going out to school and stuff. Hair wasn't done. Like it just, it was really, it, was, it wasn't the best guy. But because I could accept it, I was like, okay, I now have, have given myself permission to work on these things. I'm not the That's greatest. Huge. And I That's huge. Yeah, that is amazing. Because yeah. what I took from that is you sat back and you took this amazing ra kind of radical ownership of your contribution of what you talked about is a structure failure of looking at that structure of looking at the, the, what you were facing. And then you took ownership of it and you said, what do I need to do? And like you talked about earlier of you know, action in suffering. And that was the only way out. It sounds like to me was to take action and to make the, the necessary adjustments. It was. Um, God, I, there was so much magic. Yeah, though. That, Can, I think, I, like, just going back yeah. really quick, I love the analogy you gave with the ladder. Like you climb the ladder, you get to the top of the building, and then you realize it's the wrong goddamn building. That's how right? people give their house yeah. painted the wrong color. But you, uh, <laughs> you climbed this building of building a gym, and it wasn't even meant for you because it was costing you your marriage. You know, being a father and all that. So. I think there's so much in just that last question that you just answered. So thank you so much yeah, for that was, this. Yeah, this that, amazing. welcome. And we talked about this kind of leading up to this conversation was with right now, people are probably out of work for about three, almost four weeks. And, and yeah. you mentioned this on a voice message and saying that um, this is about identity. Like you talked it about is. being a, a, a football player and having to deal with the identity shift of being an athlete every single day and pushing yourself to the limit to, 
now you you're an entrepreneur and that shift in itself like mm-hmm. that's a that's a process you almost are killing yeah. off a piece of yourself so that you can be rebirth rebirth to something new yeah, right yeah. now this disruption that people are facing they have to self-identify something different yeah and, and they don't know what uh, it looks like yeah can you yeah can you talk a little bit about that because i thought it was really great the message you left yeah so i mean it it actually started off like saying hey do we want to change the direction of the message because we're going to talk about identity shift but i don't know if it's a fit right now i'm like oh dude that's literally a a golden direction to go for people because we're having to face a reactive identity shift as a society as individuals within the society Mm -hmm. and so what that looks like for me and the steps that i'm taking with my clients right now is saying look at the end of the day we have to re-architect and reactivate a new identity, which is not a, it's not a bad thing. And it's not changing who you are. I think so, the reason I call it identity shift, change is heavy. Like to say, you got to change something like that's like, oh man, that's met with just internal weight. But if I say shift, like it's like a plane. If a plane's traveling, it shifts one degree over 2000 miles. It'll end up 40 miles in a different direction. It was a little itty bitty thing that made a whole different end destination take place. So for yeah. people right now, the, one of the most important things we talked about previously is that you got to shift the perspective. And no, it is not easy. And it's very unclear. And the unknown is what scares you. Look at you person listening right now. The reason it scares you is because inside that unknown, like looking in this dark door, all you see is darkness and all you're focused on is the monsters inside. Mm-hmm. But inside that same door could be golden bullion, could be an amazing treasure. But because you're only focused on what could be in that's negative, you do not enter that door and you miss out on it. So what I look at is, is how can I have you change your perspective and then enter that scary door and then bring a flashlight? Like, how can I get you to go in there, bring a flashlight? Because if you, if the flashlight is saying, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to try to take a look as opposed to, I'm just going to sit back here. So the flashlight is you going in with the life experience you already have, which you've already done. You've already learned. You've already applied. Like that's your flashlight. Dang it. Just, Walk in the door, flip it on and say, okay, I'm in here now. Everybody else is sitting outside scared. I'm in here now. What, where can I see there's a monster? Okay, I'm avoid that monster. But look at that gold. I'm going to go get that gold. Like, I might have to jump a few pits and do some, you know, Indiana Jones rope swings, but you'll get there. <laughs> but that's yeah. where for me in this times, I'm trying to tell people big time, what do you know? What are you, what are you doing? Because our brain's taking information and, and it's going through a filter of I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Uh, nothing's possible. It's going through a filter of negative perspective. But for me, I go in with like almost stupid optimism. I'm like, hey, what is possible? And when you do that, oh, perfect example, we have time. So I have a client, uh, Natasha, awesome woman. She runs a concussion clinic. But about three years ago, she wanted to get online and kind of started that process. About five months ago, we got working together because she couldn't get it going and we built up a good online business. And then sure enough, all this hit. So she can now work with her clients at a distance. For her business as usual, right? Everybody else in her field, all the clinics shut down, freaked right. out. She freaked out. She's like, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I got to get everything on. I'm like, listen, you'll get your stuff figured out. You can either right now be the gold miner or you can be the one selling gold pants. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean? I said, well, you've been doing this for three years. Like you, you already have a heads up and you can help a lot of people's lives who are trying to help a lot of people's lives. So I want you to go to the next three days, put together a program, and I want you to put on what you would do in four hours to teach somebody how to get their clinic online. She's like, all right, she did it. And then we were, I think three days later, we were on a phone call. And on the phone call, she was, was talking, and all of a sudden, ding, on her computer, she'd made her first sale for the program. Hmm. And then, wow. then today, just before our call, got a text message from her. There are three organizations like her certifying body. And then there's a software company that runs all these different, pretty much telehealth, uh, different clients and all the people that do concussion work like her software that runs all of these people's you know, systems. All of those companies have now said, yes, please bring your stuff to our market. Our people need your help right now. So wow. she, because she went with a flashlight and I was like, Hey, do this. I nudged her in. She now has the opportunity to be able to literally like quadruple her income and business in this situation because I was like, don't sit back there and get all scared because you don't know what to do. Like, it's time for you to, to buck up, lady. <laughs> she did work. Yeah. And now everything grows. So that's in this times you have right now for everybody listening. You've got to find a way to go into that door, but bring the flashlight of the information and knowledge you already have. I love that. So good. Because we, we talk about that a lot, too, is, is when people are stuck using the, your past, using the evidence that you've overcome things, that you figure things out before and that you can do it again. And I love that analogy of using it as a flashlight. Yeah. yeah. Like for us in 2008, when the you know whole 
recession thing hit, we were really impacted by that. Like we lost our jobs, both of us, mm-hmm. our corporate jobs. We filed bankruptcy. We lost a lot of things. Yeah. And so now that this thing is here, like you said, this optimism that kind of drives people crazy sometimes, it's like, you don't understand though. I earned this. Like the yeah. tension that we've built, that we've been under in the past mm-hmm. has built this resilience and it has helped us grow. So now my perspective has shifted only because of the experiences that we've been through, you yeah. know, the tough times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're doing the same thing. Like I think that with everyone forced to stay home and just kind of de- reboot, if you will, like your yeah. analogy, you've got to reset. We're rerouting. We are re re uh, plugging things Re-tru- back in hopefully soon, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, reprogramming. Yeah. But I think that there's going to be some amazing businesses and creativity and time to just sit with new ideas and, you yeah. know, just explore and be doing hobbies that you would normally never be able to do. And I feel like this is an amazing time. It's almost like God himself was like, y'all are too busy. I'm going to reset you because you need some new ideas. (laughs) My buddy just said that today. He's like, I think God's just resetting society. I'm like, hey, it it needs from a philosophical standpoint. needs Uh, to be done. I feel like it's going to be beautiful. It will. If you come out, I think if we take this time to genuinely not watch Netflix shows, like there are some people who, if they're smart, they're going to be collecting information, getting ideas. Like even the online world that I work in, I'm like, I'm consuming speed reading and copy courses right now because right. I want to get as much information in my head from different walks so that when somebody comes along or an opportunity comes along later and I need a switchblade to, to, to solve the problem, I'll have it when I need it Yeah. because this economy is going to come out. It's going to, it's just, this is what people know, like it is going to get better and way better. Now, yep. the way it gets better for you in that situation is if you are prepared when the moments happen. So if I get to the end of this and I have the same skills I had going in when everybody else was getting better skills, I'm already behind. Mm. So to go into this with, with no, I, I don't even know what I need to know, but I know I need to know more. Yes. So yeah. I'm going into this with that. a perspective. Let me figure this stuff out and then I'll be able to take advantage of opportunity. It's, it's faith. It's, it's faith in a realistic, non-religious way. I love that. And I think that that was a really great statement because some people are sitting back like, well, I don't even know what I should be learning. Well, hell, we don't know either, but we're just learning, you know? (laughs) That's it. Learn. Suck it up. Figure some things out. Learn something. And we know what it is. You know what it is? It's people, they've they've had those books on their shelf. They bought that they know are going to be helpful. They haven't Mm -hmm. done anything with. Like, so I say speed rig. I'm like, all right, I got a bookshelf, bookshelf, um, you know, full of books. I'm like, well, these I know I bought for a reason because they're going to help me. So let me get these into my head right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking this 21-day speed reading course, and I've already like doubled my reading speed. So I'm zipping through some books. I'm like, this is great. Mm-hmm. So I can sit back, do my thing. And then like a copy course, I know for me, here's my belief, uh, as businesses go on and on, copy isn't just something that like you put in a sales page to sell a, you know, a $25 ebook. Mm-hmm. Copy is the captions. It's the speeches. It's the books you may write. It is obviously sales and that kind of thing. And copy is one of those things that if you understand how to be able to communicate better, you'll do better with your business. You can take what's in your heart vision-wise and actually plug it into somebody's heart. They get it. They invest, right? So I think with everybody tucked at home right now, I can't go shake hands and meet people in person. I have to be able to grab attention on this platform that everybody's on right now. Mm. And the way that I'm going to do it better is by learning copy. So I'm like, all right, I've got like three, four copywriting books. I've got two courses I'm doing because I'm like, I want to learn copy as much as I can right now, because with everybody in the same playing field, I want to get a bigger sword. Yeah. And that's just refining your voice. You know, copy is just making sure your voice is fine tuned, I think. And I think that's a just amazing strategy that you've got it all figured out Uh, or you don't, you know, you're just leaning into the things that that you think will set you apart. And I think you get rewarded for that. You take action and you get rewarded, whether that's through knowledge, a new opportunity, a new connection, whatever it may be. But like Anthony Trucks is not sitting at home during this time doing nothing. That's for sure. Ooh, so no, no, no. I ain't got time. anybody got time for that? I do have <laughs> perfect time for that, but not time for sitting around. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on. We talked about so much. We talked about a crazy childhood. We talked about abuse and torture and affairs. And, you know, I wish I want to tell you a lot of guys are not going to publicly stand on a stage or go on a podcast and talk about how their wife cheated on them, let alone sit here and say she didn't get to that point on her own. And I just want to commend you for that. Most guys, I think, are hiding behind their ego when it comes to that. And I love that you played a part in that and you took ownership. So I want to commend you for that. 
Thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm, although I'm a guy, I do have feelings and emotions. And I think one of the things, the reason I do that is because I realize a lot of these things happen in the dark and nobody talks about them. Like I have clients mm -hmm. who have dealt with the same exact thing and like they won't even tell their best friends. And it's tough because you live in this confinement and then you have to watch other people suffer. And I was just tired of doing it. And I realized like God gave me a certain strength and experience and a, and a platform. And so I shared. And in the beginning, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, it wasn't like easy the first yeah. time. But after a while, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm still here. As long as I'm good at home, like, I don't care what your judgments of me are. And, yep. and from that, I've helped a lot more people than I've had to deal with people who were like, ah, oh, how could you go back with her? And I really don't right. care because here's the thing. At the end of the day, I have a great deal of joy. And I don't care whether or not you think that I, me going back with my wife or not was a good idea. And what's the problem is like, you, you can try to have the judgments, but you'll never have my joy if that's how you think. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Amen. Uh, there's so much in this episode. I mean, yeah. we could definitely do like a part two just because there were so many things I wanted to kind of go further in, but obviously we have limited time. Um, because I think that I, I enjoy, and I hope that many of you uh, listening are enjoying the fact that like when you approach your brain and how your life with the systems and strategies and understanding that that's what it really comes down to is do you have the right type of system or, or, or strategy of thinking? And when you can really do that, I think that that's when you make those huge adjustments and, and make these huge uh, changes in your life. Uh, a lot of times we get so deep into our emotions that it really is what drives us. And sometimes our emotions can be leading us in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. I agree. So. Well, thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, best of luck to you and your family. I know we'll cross paths again. It was such an honor to have you. And uh, I can't wait to see what new things you're going to put out into the world because you're going to be smarter than everybody. So we'll see. Something tell us magical. where we can find you. Where can we send people to connect with you? Yeah, if you go to at Anthony Trucks on Instagram, it's a really simple way to find me. Uh, I'm always there communicating, messaging. Uh, outside of that, if you go to anthonytrucks.com, you'll find out who we are, what we do. By the time this comes out, which I don't know when that is, my new website might be up, but um, even in the current website, solid. So anybody that's like, hey, I would like to be able to elevate how I operate as a human and then level up my life and business, I'm your man. Love it. Thank you so much, Anthony. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through